A Coming of Wizards by Michael E. Reynolds Chapter 6 The Art of Leaning The Way From the top of a mountain ridge, one gets a more all-encompassing view of the approach to life in the lower lands below. The unique enlightenment gained from this type of view is unattainable without somehow getting oneself up to the rich land of the mountains to experience it. If one decides, or discovers, or believes that this view is worthwhile, then one must find a pathway up to the top of the mountain. There's a vision on the top of the mountain. To intellectualize about this vision is meaningless without finding a way of getting up there to experience it. Likewise, an awareness of a more appropriate state of mind from which to view the universe is meaningless without an immediately tangible way to get to the state of mind. The road to nirvana is of no less significance than nirvana itself. Non-local awareness is the topic of the next chapter. The concept of non-local awareness is being submitted as a more appropriate method of relating to the universe. It is, however, merely a meaningless concept unless a way of getting to a state of mind suitable to experience it is illuminated. One such way of getting to a state of mind from which non-local awareness can be experienced is the art of leaning. Just as we must actualize a way to the top of the mountain before we can intellectualize a vision from there, we must, in this chapter, attempt to actualize a way to experience non-local awareness before we can intellectualize it. This way is the art of leaning. Leaning is a method of movement practiced by all living things. It is a wave or pattern of the universe that we can ride to other realities. A very simple example of leaning is found in the banana plant in my office. My office is an underground room with south-facing windows. The banana plant is against a back north wall. After being against this rear wall for several weeks, I noticed the plant leaning towards the light, the light being in a rather unnatural position relative to the plant. As time went on, it began to lean so much that I feared it would fall over and uproot itself. If I tried to bend the plant all in one instant from its original position to its lean position, This would have surely broken the stock, yet it bent or leaned itself toward the light over a period of time. See diagram on following page. In the case of the banana plant, the delineation of the room only allows light to enter through the south window. In the case of the human condition, the delineation of our dogma only allows vision, a form of light, to enter through windows. Outside the room, light is. We would not have to lean. Leaning is the natural intention of organisms to reach out of whatever confines, rooms, realities, dogmas, towards light. Thus, the art of leaning can be a pathway out of dogma toward vision, universal vision. Non-local awareness is a universal vision. This banana plant illustrates that plants lean towards the light. They do this at their own pace via time. They are flexible over time. 
both flexibility and rigidity are functions of time. That is to say that to bend the plant in one instant would have broken it. It was rigid relative to that factor of time. However, expanded time allowed it flexibility to lean towards the light. We, as human organisms, are the same as this banana plant in this respect. We can align ourselves with this particular phenomenon or pattern and maneuver via it. We too are rigid relative to short spans of time, but we can lean and have leaned towards what we want over periods of time. Plants lean towards light without choice. We lean towards vision, the vision of our choice. This choice is our conscious participation in our own evolution. In the case of the banana plant, the delineation of the room only allows light to enter through the south window. In the case of the human condition, the delineation of our dogma only allows vision, a form of light, to enter through windows. Outside the room, light is. The plant would not have to lean. Outside our dogma, vision is. We would not have to lean. Leaning is the natural intention of organisms to reach out of whatever confines, rooms, realities, dogmas, egos, towards light. Thus, the art of leaning can be a pathway out of dogma towards vision, universal vision. Non-local awareness is a universal vision. The growth of dogma, interdogmatic vision versus universal vision. Plants simply lean towards light. Humans now have a choice as to where they lean. This wasn't always the case. Unconscious leaning is what took us out of the water and onto the land millions of years ago. Leaning took us up off of all fours and into an upright position. Leaning took our brains from reptilian to paleomammalian and to neomammalian. The neomammalian part of our brain represents its latest evolution. This part of the brain completely encompasses the other two parts and is commonly known as the thinking cap. Leaning was the force of the wizard behind the evolution that has always helped us keep pace with the natural processes of the planet. Leaning is how we became what we are. Somewhere along the line, possibly during the development of the neomammalian brain, we found consciousness and became aware of ourselves. It was at this point that we invented dogma and began making our own choices. Dogma started as the foundation of ourselves, our egos, and as a basis for our own choices. Then the dogma began to grow. It grew into protection for our egos and an influence on choice. Now it has grown into a cocoon and it dictates choices. Dogma has become a barrier between us and universal vision. The window through dogma is growing shut. The result of this is the introverted evolution which we are now experiencing. This is leaning toward visions that are simply images in and from our own dogma. They are not universal visions. They are not even broad enough to include the planet that we are an extension of. 
This is something like blocking off the windows in my office and installing a grow light. The plant will lean towards the grow light no matter where it is placed. Leaning is a technique of evolution. It can be directed by choice. Before we attain consciousness and choice, nature made choices for us via what I have termed the wizard energy. Nature, being without dogma, is an extension of universal vision. We were actually more intuitively in tune with the universe before, in the early stages of consciousness, than we are now. Leaning was the same method nature used to evolve us. Therefore, it is appropriate that we use the same method to evolve ourselves. Leaning is a method of movement, a way. We can use this way to move ever closer to the patterns of the universe that sustain our existence, or we can use it to go around in circles until we run out of gas. We have let leaning take us from the footpath to the wheel. As our dogma began to close off the window to universal vision, the interdogmatic leaning took us from the wheel to the automobile, a vision not broad enough to include the planet. Thus, we have cities full of carbon monoxide pollution and noise. We have yellow haze in the atmosphere, belonging to this interdogmatic vision. We can continue to lean towards these narrow, interdogmatic visions that do not include the planet. But we will eventually become extinct as a species due to introverted evolution within our dogma. We can, however, stretch and lean out of dogma and towards universal vision if we choose to. Universal vision is simply rooted in the patterns of the universe. It comes to us through the galaxy, then the solar system, then planet, and then finally through our own dogma, if it is not so tightly closed that there is no window left. Universal vision includes our dogma, but our dogma does not include universal vision. Leaning towards universal vision is blissful evolution towards light. The various unarguable phenomenon of our planet are our immediate directives for universal vision. Leaning towards interdogmatic vision will end up choking us one way or another like the current automobile vision is doing. Technology, in general, is an interdogmatic vision that does not include the planet. Technology used with spherical vision would be a different story. So different that it would probably not even be called technology. Technology only embraces the human ego in most cases. Thus, there are hundreds of polluted dump sites around the planet that are ruining water tables, land and atmosphere. There are ever-increasing numbers of dams and power lines that ruin natural wildlife patterns and ecosystems of the planet. There are ever-increasing numbers of various devices and machines that require raping the earth for fuel, and so on and so on. Interdogmatic visions do not know that we as humans are but an extension of the earth, so they do not consider it. Thus, they exploit it and dump on it. We are poisoning ourselves by our own hand because most of our vision does not include any more than our own backyards, much less the planet and beyond. It appears that, 
like the banana plant in my office, we could eventually lean so far in an unnatural direction that we will simply fall away from the part that sustains us and die as a species. Universal vision would provide natural direction for leaning out towards a vision beyond the limits of words. Words are a barrier that must be broken through. When we invented words, a part of our dogma, we doomed ourselves to live within the limits of our words. Leaning is a method of movement that has no limitations. It is a way of consciously using flexibility and even fluidity through the media of time. If we use this way to go towards universal vision, we will find a more appropriate state of mind from which to relate to the universe. The following diagram illustrates the ever-tightening introverted evolution of our dogma, the human condition. Our vision is usually only as broad as the self-area on the ever-tightening spiral. Broader vision, expanded evolution, leads us out of the spiral of dogma. Introverted evolution leads to extinction. Self-oriented organisms move with no choice towards extinction. Many have before us. This is basically the same movement as a matter to energy in the realm of physics. At the point of extinction, the matter has simply all moved back to energy. Evolution to extinction. It is interesting to note that in the diagram above, vision beyond words, so light or energy, the entire blue area of the diagram, exists both before the spiral of dogma and after it tightens to extinction. Before consciousness is found, organisms are simply victims of introverted evolution. They evolve toward extinction and, with no choice, return to energy. However, now that we have found consciousness, we have a choice. We can reverse our introverted evolution towards expanded evolution and expand back to energy. Now, it is true, this is the same place we were going towards via introverted evolution anyway. The difference is that via consciousness, we can choose the direction of our evolution and remain conscious through the process. We can consciously join the consciousness of the universe as opposed to unconsciously disintegrating into the consciousness of the universe. This is learning to die before we die via consciousness. Introverted evolution is an unconscious leaning process towards extinction. Expanded evolution is the art of leaning, consciously used to move towards energy. For example, light, vision beyond words, and so on. A basic awareness of the leaning process will allow us to use this process to write it as an unarguable phenomenon for movement. An example of this is when I became aware of the process of the leaning of the plant. I used it. Rather than prop the plant up, I rotated it so that it leaned against the wall. Now it is slowly growing back towards the light and straightening up. If I keep rotating periodically, I will be directing the growth of the plant by capitalizing on its own intention to lean towards light. If we as humans become aware of the various fundamental phenomena of our existence, such as leaning, 
we can use this awareness to consciously direct our growth and thus freely maneuver both in and out of dogma. There's nothing wrong with dogma if one can step in and out of it. Just as the flexibility of the banana plant was a function of time, our skill in the art of leaning, our ultimate flexibility, is a function of time. In the time span of one human life, we might observe that significant flexibility is somewhat limited. However, there is significant flexibility, movement evolution, in the time span of all the existence of humanity. Thus, the art of leaning requires us to view humanity as a whole in one block of time via spherical vision. We also must change our concept of time and make it work for us, rather than against us. Whatever one may think about the automobile, whether it is a vision that is not broad enough or a useful tool, there is one unarguable fact. If you leave it running in your garage with the door closed to fresh air, it will kill you. Whatever one may think about technology, whether it is a vision that is not broad enough or a useful tool, there is one unarguable fact. If you leave it running on your earth with your vision close to the earth's natural processes, it will kill you. God wants us to come home by chance, not just when our body wears out. The more we expand our scope of vision, the more we know about the nature of things. Thus, the more we know about the future while living in the present. Let's say the scope of our vision is the circle above. We see ourselves with a problem, a bummer. The bummer is coming from in front of us, and we must decide how to adapt or deal with it, knowing only what we know from our scope of vision. We don't know where the real source of the bummer is. Our scope of vision is not that expansive. We only know from what direction it appears to be coming. Changing our concept of time. One way to approach changing our concept of time is to change our current pattern of letting time tell us when to do things. In our current state of affairs, time hustles us through life with little time to spare. Time should be a friend, not a dictator. The friend will help us to be flexible. The dictator will make us rigid. We found natural increments of the time through the movement of the Earth around its own axis and around the Sun. The movement of the Moon around the Earth further facilitated our clocking of natural increments of time. As our dogma grew, we began to manufacture clocks and watches, thus creating a rather interdogmatic version of time. The movement of the spheres through space guided us in relating to the natural patterns or the planet we were born out of. The movement of our little minute and our hands now tighten our window through dogma and actually separate us from those natural patterns of the spheres we were born out of. In our present reality, it appears that we are continuously trying to cram more into these shorter spans of interdogmatic time. Thus, we have invented the rat race. Produce more products in less time, go further distances in less time, in 10 minutes get the effect of swimming 50 laps with a new instant swimming exercise module. Now, if rigidity is a function of time, 
remember the plant appeared rigid in a short span of time, but flexible over a longer span, then look at what we're doing in this rat race. We are making ourselves more rigid, that is, less capable of slowly leaning out of our dilemmas, because we do not allow anything to be done slowly anymore. If you only have 10 minutes to do something, you don't have time to think about doing it any differently than you have always done it. Thus, you're rigid. Basically, time, like many other things, religion for one, has been found as a phenomenon and reproduced as a dogma, and the result is rigidity. Rigidity locks us in an unadaptable situation. If we reduce the emphasis on interdogmatic time, clocks, watches, scheduled living situations, and increase the emphasis on natural time, relationships of earth, sun, and moon, we will gain flexibility, an approach to the art of leaning. Direct living, discussed in chapter 5, is a realistic attempt at relating to the guidance of the movement of the spheres rather than interdogmatic time and systems. Direct living is a tangible step to the art of leaning. Viewing humanity as a whole. Viewing humanity as a whole can be compared to the overview one has of a plant from seed to fruition to death. Because one has an overview of the processes of the plant, one thus knows the complete nature of the plant. One can perceive a seedling and thus project fruition. This kind of overview with respect to humanity allows us to actually project the results of our leaning before they happen. This results in knowing the future while living in the present. In the diagram above, we have expanded our scope of vision. We see the bummer coming from behind us instead of in front. By expanding our scope of vision, we gained a better understanding of the bummer. We know that it appeared to be coming from in front of us, only due to our narrow scope of vision. We still do not know the source, but our method of adaptation or dealing with the bummer will be different now that it is not coming from in front of us. We must be aware that our individual selves are equivalent to the various cells in the leaning plant that were involved in minuscule expansions and or contractions that ultimately, through timeless persistence, resulted in the eventual lean of the plant. Spherical vision will allow us to realize the wholeness of humanity. If we relate to the wholeness, the unity of humanity, we begin to know the nature of the whole of humanity. Knowing the nature of something gives one certain knowledge of the future with respect to that thing. An example of this is, again, the banana plant. I know the nature of the plant to lean towards the light. I rotated it around so it leans against the wall. Now I know a certain aspect of its future. It will lean towards the light again. We have again increased the scope of our vision. Now we see the source of the bummer. Now we know very much about how to adapt to this dilemma. Our adaptation will most likely be much more appropriate now that we know the source of the problem. Expanded vision, a step towards spherical vision, can show us the nature of humanity as a whole. Knowing the nature of humanity over large blocks of natural time, movement of the spheres, can give us insight into our future. It can also direct conscious evolution.
Being adept at the art of leaning demands expanded and eventually spherical vision. Seeing, if we don't block what we see, will bring forth leaning. Just like the rising sun brings the morning, seeing brings leaning. Understanding leaning is recognizing through blocks of natural time and the wholeness of humanity the tiny steps that build up to actual movement. This movement represents flexibility, adaptation and evolution. It can be conscious or unconscious. Tiny steps inspired by vision are a beginning. Giant steps usually have traumatic effects which actually enhance the condition of rigidity. A good example of this is the radical countercultural movement of the late 60s and early 70s when the hippies came running from the cities to the southwest and radically changed their lives by living off the land in the mountains. This was a giant step. They made a great statement, but the trauma of roughing it was ultimately too much for their inherent rigidity. Emotionally, physically and spiritually, it was too big a step. Consequently, Most of those original hippies have slipped back into the mainstream swarm of humanity that they were trying to escape from. The point here is that tiny steps are sure steps. The banana plant made tiny, unnoticeable steps towards the light. This is leaning. Looking back into time, prehistoric early Earth, and out into the universe, can further facilitate a grasp of the concept of leaning inspired and directed by spherical vision. Spherical vision is ultimately an interaction with what is being perceived and eventually an interaction with all that is. Now, to interact with something, one must first include it in his or her reality. This brings up a big issue, inclusion and exclusion. Inclusion and exclusion. Many, or most all of us, due to boundaries drawn by our egos, choose to exclude certain people and things and phenomenon from our accepted reality. For instance, the black people have been excluded in the past by the white people. The Jews have been excluded by the Germans. The natural processes of the earth have been excluded from modern lifestyles. Dark has been excluded from light, and so on. Wolfgang Pauli, a well-known physicist, brought forth an interesting principle regarding the electron, the particle wave that swarms around the nucleus of an atom, of which we are all made. It is called the principle of exclusion. It puts forth that no electron may enter into a state, place and condition already occupied by another electron. This fact can be projected into individual persons, animals and plants, since all are made of electrons. Thus, we have a tendency to exclude, based on electron activity, in our body-brain makeup. However, this desire of the electron to be in a state of its own is basically what allows atoms to interact and change their nature, make other elements, due to the fact that electrons move, they actually leap, from state to state and from atom to atom in the process of chemical and electronic activity in matter. This activity is the basis for all that is. Thus, this principle of exclusion paradoxically gives us both ego and our ability to merge. 
We have to be something before we can merge with something. What this amounts to is, yes, we have a tendency, due to the nature of elementary parts that make us up, to exclude. And exclude, we do. However, if we look further than exclusion, we find merger. This means that inclusion is understood, so to speak, in an overview of the exclusion process. In other words, the principle of exclusion is what makes the electron an individual capable of inclusion. The electron consequently includes and interacts with anything in the universe. It is a free body in the universe. We too can be free bodies in the universe, first through development and acceptance of our egos, both individually and collectively, and then, not to stop there but to advance to, total inclusion of all that is into this ego. Inclusion is the very secret to sustenance, everlasting life. This can be written sustenance is directly proportional to inclusion. For instance, the universe has been around longer than anything else because it includes everything else. The planet Earth has been around longer than any species of plant or animal because it includes all species of plant and animal. Thus, the more we include, the more we become. The more we become, the broader our range of sustenance. I believe this is a tangible interpretation of the everlasting life mentioned in the Bible and in many other religious and mystical texts. If we look at the contrary of this, we find that various plants and animals, and soon humans maybe, have become extinct because their realities and resulting abilities to adapt did not include all the possibilities of geographic and climatic change on the planet. In many cases, this just means inclusion of other plant and animal species that, because of their nature, can affect their ability to cope with those they interact with. An example of this is the modest creosote bush found in the southwest. This bush presently holds the title of the oldest living thing on the planet. This is older than redwoods and older than the bristlecone pines, both of which were previously thought to be the oldest living things on the planet. The creosote bush, among many other unique inclusions, attracts and includes in its sphere of existence a certain type of termite who delights at building its underground village full of tunnels directly under the creosote bush. These tunnels take what little water there is deeper into the ground around the creosote bush, thus greatly increasing the potential absorption of the plant for any given amount of rainfall. Basically, the inclusion of the termites results in irrigation of the plant. Let's look at the inclusion-exclusion principle in a human situation. You are on a dark and lonely road in the New Mexico mountains. It is winter and the temperature is 30 degrees below zero and you have car trouble. You are completely stalled and in danger of freezing to death. By the way, you are a white person who is prejudiced against black people. You do not include them in your accepted sphere of existence. Well, along comes a black man in a nice warm truck and offers you a ride to the nearest town, which is 60 miles away. 
If you decide to include black people in your reality, you could be saved from freezing to death. If you decide to continue to exclude them, you could die. The point being that we are of a state of mind to include all possibilities, realities, beings, conditions, allow them to exist in our reality, then we are increasing the wholeness and potential sustenance of ourselves. Thus, the more we include, the greater our chances for survival as individuals and as a species. This can be projected right on out to all things on the planet and in the universe. The result being an endless participation in everlasting life. Thus, sustenance is directly proportional to inclusion. The electron, as a result of its exclusion, gains enough individuality to then include and interact with all that is. Thus, it experiences everlasting life. We too can experience everlasting life by gaining the strength to include all people, all animals, all plants, all the planet, all of the solar system. This total inclusion is the result of spherical vision. Slowly leaning towards total inclusion of more and more results in a kind of dilution of the ego. Thus, we slowly lean into a beingness, a oneness, with all that is. Through inclusion and spherical vision, we can slowly lean towards a rather non-local awareness of all that is. I've been to your space, I've seen how you live. I've been to your heart, I've seen how it gives. I've been over your body, so smooth, so alive. I've been inside your head, I went in through your eyes. You're elusive and dancing while revealing your features. And the people that hear them, I call them my teachers. They've come to me holding your touch in their hand. When it flickers and dies, I cannot understand. Revelations have hinted you'll come from inside, but not till my poisons have all burned out or died. I've escaped from the sexes, I've escaped from the stars. I lean towards the sunlight and that's what you are. Perhaps the human condition, as we know it, has humankind locked outside of paradise with the male aspect possessing in itself the key and the female aspect intuitively knowing where the door is. Thus, nature has it that only wholeness can enter. Man is afraid to include woman in his selfness. Woman is afraid to include man in her selfness. Both aspects attract and repel each other. Evolution would have then become one. Ego would have then war. So begins the choice, the chance, and the dance.